This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hi, I'm Guido Campello. I'm co-CEO and creative director for Cosabella and for Journal, two great lingerie brands and direct-to-consumer uh, retailers. Uh, what I love about retail is the challenge connecting with the customer. How does a family-owned retail apparel business survive challenge after challenge after challenge from 9-11 to a hurricane to a pandemic? Well, coming up, a family history of more than 37 years in the lingerie business and how the CEO took this time to reevaluate the business while also giving his locations a facelift before reopening. Plus, you might never think of lace the same way again. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Guido, welcome to the show. So happy to have you. And literally the first Guido we've had on this show <laughs> ever. Awesome. I'm honored. Awesome. <laughs> Break that seal. Uh, great to have you. Uh, and of course, uh, hello to my co-host, Rebecca. How are you, Rebecca? I'm great. Hello, Mark. Hello, Guido. Uh, so Guido, I love to start here, a very natural place, both from a human standpoint and a, a, a you know, of course, a business standpoint. So Guido, we're in a very unprecedented moment, obviously, not just the pandemic, but a moment at which some things are starting to open back up. So my question for you is, in whatever way you want to answer it, how are you doing? Uh, you know, a mix of feelings, right? Everyone's in a roller coaster here. And the biggest roller coaster is, you know, rules change. You see what's happening in the news daily, things evolving. Uh, I happen to have a remote team for the past 20 years. So working from home has been normal for our team, except some are in Texas, some are in Florida, uh, some are in California. And what's been happening is they've been getting their life, you know, swayed every week. So getting everyone on the same ball, everyone on the same current has been the biggest challenge. However, um, you know, the, the consumer's there, the customer's there, they keep us very busy. And of course, society's there. Society is facing so many changes that they've challenged us so much that I, I think we've done, you know, a year and a half worth worth of work in two and a half months, right? So it, it's been definitely the word is enthralling. You know, my, my wife says that, you know, for some reason she sees me happy in these situations. And, and the truth is, uh, you know, I am because I can see people pull together and good things happen for all of us, you know, through difficult times. I really believe that. Before, appreciate your answer so much and and, sure. and, and your approach. Uh, before uh, we get into the body of you know okay. your company and and responding to COVID and retail uh, dynamics and so forth, um, I just wanted to uh, continue with that for a moment. I haven't really asked anyone this before, but it's an interesting dynamic because any leader, any boss, any head of a team. At any particular moment, someone on their team is going to be going through something. They're pregnant. They broke up. They're unhealthy. Challenges, whatever it is. Your entire team, as anyone's entire team, is going through one of the most monumental and challenging things in virtually every dynamic that they've ever faced or will ever face in their lives. All of them at the same time. And by the way, you're going through it too. How have you thought about in any way or processed what that means for you as the person that not only they may look to, but in some capacity, but you're also responsible to some degree for their livelihood and you have to somehow summon your strength and lead them and be a confidant for them and inspire them and et cetera, et cetera. Can you speak to that at all? Have you thought? Yeah, you know, if if you want to, uh, look, I rarely get overcome with emotion, but just you insinuating that gives me, you know, a little bit of an urge to tear up in terms of the fact that it's exhausting, right? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. hard. And now we are faced with some of the biggest uh, HR and really community challenges that we've ever had. And how do you connect with individuals when, Everything is in flux and, uh, you know, there aren't 
clear paths as a leader. And, you know, you never want to make mistakes, but you want to make mistakes. But there's some mistakes that you that just entangle an entire company and, and really put a lot of people uh, whose jobs are counting on you at risk. So you've got this tightrope now. And, and I would say that, uh, you know, I, I, we've been so lucky to have so many uh, a diversity of, of people that we've gotten to work with and that I've gotten to work with through, I think, my career. And so many people who have gone through life changes along with me. In fact, uh, one of Cozabella's oldest employees last Friday did 30 years. And she started when she was 19. And I was probably seven years old. And I was in the office all the time. And I remember her first week starting. And, you know, she taught me life things along the way that were good and bad. Um, and to have that connection allows you to confront other people that are just coming in. In fact, we're hiring someone in the next couple of weeks that's coming right out of college. And so it's like you get to see this full cycle of individuals and obviously, you know, across about four generations, right? And you got to be able to react and be quick. One other thing that's really interesting is, you know, my parents are immigrants. They came to the U.S. Uh, on work visas, got green cards, just became Americans in time for the last election. And, uh, and, and, you know, we have a couple of people in our organization that, you know, need that kind of support from us. And they're in the struggle right now with the HB1 visa situation, too. So not only are we seeing them go through the concerns of every day and immediate and health, but they're also going through the concerns of are they even allowed to be here? You know, so and, and they're supporting this country and, and giving to this country and paying the taxes. Yet, you know, now they're at risk. So it's it's really it, you know, you try to give everyone like, you know, the support you can do. Um, and I, like I told my wife during COVID and everybody was at home and, and I was handling a lot of things with a very small team. It, it's more tiring now because you're trying to balance everybody's expectations in person and, and the people and the managing is, you know, is the challenge um, in keeping everyone going. And, you know, we can talk about our companies and what we've got going on, but Journal was a recent acquisition. We turned one year in acquisition this week. So we just had our one year anniversary. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Um, you know, I, I always said, if we make it to April, we're okay. Cause we were trying to save this company. And of course we got hit by some crazy things through that and, and made it, you know, through government support and, and customer support, but also the support of this team. And we had turnover and changes. Uh, we, you know, we managed not to send anyone home uh, until the furloughs happened, you know? So, you know, we, we try to be the best people we can. And, uh, and, you know, ultimately not everyone's going to see eye to eye with you, but you try. Amazing. And I'm wondering, I think um, a lot of folks think of both the brands as, you know, not household names, but certainly if you are a connoisseur of beautiful lingerie um, and underwear, um, that you're kind of a household name. I'm not sure how many people knew that you're a family business and, mm -hmm. and how long you've been a, a, around. Um, I'm going to go to a slightly lighter topic, um, but but still uh, on the same lines. Um, Mark and I were chatting about, um, and I'm always curious as we're kind of coming out of COVID, um, what did what did well online? And obviously the no-brainers are, you know, groceries and things like that. And mm -hmm. uh we, I don't want to say we pontificated, but we um, went uh, so, several different ways on what was the demand um, online for, um, you know, beautiful undergarments, uh, and we'll get it from the source, and then we can tell you some of our, our silly thoughts. Well, I, you know, I think we were very lucky that a lot of people were asking this question through uh, to kind of create story and create some, you know, some lighter stories like you're talking about. Yeah. And the truth is what happens when we get to spend a lot of time together? You know, one of the things I'm projecting for are, uh, you know, what do they call them? Uh, the children that are going to come from this whole experience, right? They're, there's I'm calling them COVID babies, but I, I'm not pretty yeah, sure that's politically correct. Colonials, that's what they call <laughs> Oh, there we go. Yes. So we, we already do maternity and that grew for us substantially. Um, one of the reasons we launched it was because of the last recession. And I myself had, you know, my, oh, my wife had two daughters through that process. Um, and we realized that the market wasn't ready for it. So that's something we're getting ready for nine months from now. So the idea was like, people are thinking about what are the products? What are the people reacting to? 
So we launched masks and we launched the first lace masks. And it's very easy for you to Google and see how far that's gone. It's really become amazing. And now as you know, the news continues, people are really looking for pretty. They're looking to feel special. And we're, you know, I think it's our number one cut item for the last two months, really, in terms of production. Um, so you did PPE, which I, I was not thinking that at all. But yeah, well, we do them pretty, right? We're not doing M95s, but we're doing, uh, you know, think about intimates. And you've got, the, you know, you've got um, intimate parts of your body that have to be taken care of, and you dress them up in a beautiful way. And what are masks? Why are we wearing masks that aren't beautiful as well? So what we created that's really fun is we created the date night mask, right? Which is a much more beautiful lace, more intricate, can be considered sexy. Uh, we we created the bridal masks because if you consider everyone who's now chasing to get married, which we're starting to see people picking up on that, you, does everyone want to be pictured with ugly masks, right? Especially the bridal party uh, with social distancing. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about yeah, that. Yeah, so we launched. We just launched those, and you'll see those up, which are beautiful because they're made to go with gowns, and obviously they're white and beige, and they go with our bridal PJs, which we do for bachelorettes. Um, and then, of course, we have our colors. The, the Cozabella colors, we created these colorful masks. We spread them out through the world. You know, they're made in Italy, which, you know, was the center and the heart of all this. So we started thinking about that very early on. Um, and those have been really exciting. We created great packaging that's, you know, beauty counter ready um, and thought about it the way that, you know, it's a new product. Um, the other thing that happened is obviously, um, you know, sexy is very important in lingerie. And people have just become so much more open and, and past years, thanks to a lot of brands that came in and changed the viewpoint, including Cozabella um, in a comfortable way. But Journal is poised to be one of those brands. And, and that was really the focus of our launch were what we call ouvert, which are the backless uh, bottoms. And this is true for both men and women. Ouverts and backless are one of the top styles really happening right now, but they never, for men, they were basics or are basics. Whereas for women, I think they're going to start becoming basics now. And we saw those pick up. I mean, I've been picking the orders and I picked open cup, open back, everything that's sexy, um, so much more during this time period. So people really spent time uh, to do that. And I think there's going to be a resurgence as, you know, Tinder and Bumble and all these things open back up. People start traveling again. There's a lot of love affairs on hold. If you think of people from London and New York and France and oh, yeah. California. So there's people that are going to come back in a big way and, and, you know, they haven't seen each other in a long time. So it's going to be very interesting to see how, how sexy picks up, but it's already there. And there's a couple great articles that came out also this week with us uh, mentioned and shot because it's so important. Amazing. And I'm so happy to actually hear that. Um, you know, Mark and I were saying, well, maybe you've gained some, some weight or yeah. you're anxious or you're depressed. Although I think probably um, being intimate um, could solve some of those uh, problems if you <laughs> wanted it to. Um, but, you know, um, so interesting. And now you're, um, so you have an e-com presence. You probably always have. I'm wondering if you're one of these companies that you had a physical presence before you had e-com. We've been around for a long time. Yeah. Cozabella, my mother really pushed out Cozabella stores. Uh, and I want to say she opened the first one almost 20 years ago, if not 20 years ago. Um, and that was in Miami. And we've had a couple stores there. But then we opened up New York 10 years ago. And that's our Soho flagship. And that's been awesome in terms of getting me to understand how to merchandise the collection, how to drive that collection. But what it did is it got us prepped for direct-to-consumer. And the other side, Journal, we've got three stores in New York, one in Chicago, but what we always had were separate stock and warehouses, right? So our dot-com was only powered by its own warehouse. And during COVID, we finally connected and became an omni-channel retailer, and our sales doubled overnight, literally. Um, and now we have all stores shipping and you know transferring and being able to tie it together, and it created so many efficiencies. So now, you know, again, two and a half months ago, I was not an omni-channel retailer. Now both Cozabella and Junelle are omni-channel retailers. I was Uber delivering through COVID, so we do deliver. Um, and we also do curbside pickup, which we never did, you know? So, so all of a sudden, we like that challenge to serving the customers, like now we, we do it in every way possible. And then we have our wholesale business, right? So the retail has been so important for shaping myself and shaping our collections.
Yeah. It's, I, I do really believe the same as you, that there'll be a lot of blessings as, as hard as um, retail and physical retail can be. Uh, there'll be a lot of lessons that come out of COVID. Uh, and I'm love, loving hearing that, by the way, that you kind of, since March, really just got yourself, you know, the companies right up to par to kind of probably where you felt they should be. So um, that is super exciting. Um so I'm, I live downtown. I'm picturing uh, your store over on Lafayette. I don't know if that's where you are right now, but um, as we head into post-COVID and you're um, opening the doors, this is kind of another Mark opened up with this, but how are you feeling about that? Because I think, you know, again, the world has changed quite a bit and I am a gold medal shopper and have already been into some stores, but how, how, are, are customers coming in first? How, are they allowed to come in? Yeah. So uh, as we speak, I can hear them. Okay. And they're not shy to get in the dressing room. Those that come in want to convert and they want to, they're, they're coming in with a mission. Okay. Um, a lot of people were knocking on the doors while we were closed. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you for being out there and supporting the stores and supporting the shops because, you know, a lot of people have put their life savings on the line to be able to accomplish these things. And the best thing that I see coming out of COVID is the community build. I was here for September 11th. I was here for the recession, here after Sandy. And, you know, when New York comes together, it's the most exciting and enthralling thing too, right? And uh, that, that has to do with how customers relate. And people come into the store, and I heard it three times today, oh my God, I haven't been here in so long. People who hadn't been in the store in two years, you know, three years. And now they're looking to reconnect. Um, that's really exciting. So I, I'm very optimistic, like you are, that you know, out of out of ashes comes uh, come flowers, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. On a, a much more tactical side, um, so I imagine masks, hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. uh, when folks try things on after they do, it goes back into inventory for so many hours. Um, um, are you uh, putting all those into play sure. um, and, and anything uh, specific or different that, that you're doing. People coming into your store, part of your experience, it is, it is intimate. It is, it is comfortable. It is accessible. It, 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 it should be uh, no friction, if you will. And, and now there's this layer of like going anywhere is a risk and there's a literal barrier between you and other things. And so how are not only you dealing with the tactical things, that Rebecca brought up, but the actual kind of psychological experience of trying to maintain what your brand is all about uh, while, while dealing with the tactical aspect. I mean, you just stated it, maintaining what the brand is all about, right? So um, that's what it's about. You have to be able to tell your story. You have to be able to accomplish that. You can't alienate people they're dying to come into your store and you can't make them feel like you're a hospital, right? You are still Jurnell, you are still Cozabella. So we put in things in place, you know, New York was kind enough to put together some things that were very clear required and some things that were suggested. So it helped us outline and make our employees feel comfortable. The employees feeling comfortable was number one. You already have a challenge with bringing people back with, you know, this great government support of unemployment. Um, but it was even harder to make people feel comfortable. They're already riding public transportation and all these things in New York to come to work. And then they come, they have to have a safe experience. So masks of the utmost. We have signage. It's very clear. We don't allow people to touch product. We serve them, which ironically is much like Italy always is. And if you come to the Cozabella store, we have this beautiful white counter. Same thing at Journal, because the idea is in Europe, you browsing and touching product is actually frowned upon uh, culturally. And the idea is that's my product until you buy it from me. So please don't touch it. I'm going to show it to you and you tell me your size and I'll lay it out for you, right? It's not about putting every size on the rack the way we do in the U.S. You put one size out so that people are required to come to the counter. So this kind of culture is now, again, I'm going to use the word enthralling because you can create such a beautiful experience by now wearing gloves, the right gloves, wearing masks, the right mask things you can interact and sell to the customer, but then at the same time showing the product in a beautiful way that I would say the European way has always been more romantic, the way Cozabella and Journal should be. Plexiglass, we found the prettiest one we could find. We made sure <laughs> to work 
it's a cool, actually, you know, I posted the picture and all my friends were like, it looks even cooler now, you know? Um, and then, you know, contactless, uh, pay, all these things have all been there, but we've been lazy about adopting them. The one other big, really cool thing we're doing at Cozabella and Janelle is virtual fitting now. So Rebecca, when you're ready to virtual fit, you go onto Cozabella.com, you submit your information, which there's a, there's a little uh, kind of widget where you connect. It goes straight to our team. Our team responds to you, sets up an appointment, and you can choose to either do on the phone or do virtually. And you'd be surprised how many people want to do it on camera the way um, you know, people are communicating with Zoom pretty much. Um, and what we can do is we can help you do your first fit. Then when we send you the product and you receive it, you, you make sure that we schedule together again and we fit it together like you're in the fitting room. Send back what doesn't work and then do this. And then the idea is every three or four months, which we'll get to there in the fall, we have a check-in. And the truth is bras are products that should be you know, changed or built up and you should have a variety. But it's hard to go across the variety of brands and products without having fittings. So by doing this virtually, what ends up happening is we have people who actually come for the pickup after doing it and want to try it on here in our, in our dressing room. And they can try it on without that direct interaction. Also, if you go in our dressing room, we put instructions now on how to fit vinyls right on the mirror. And we stand outside at the proper distance um, and we communicate with you. And one other thing we're doing is we're sending tape measures to everybody in boxes to everyone's home. So they get little Cozy Bella Journal tape measures. And also when they leave the store, because that way they always have their tape measure. It's their tool um, and they can always use it, you know, to measure up every six months. So, again, none of this was in place in February, March. And now we are giving a customer service that we never gave before. You know? Amazing. And by the way, that is some clienteling um, at its best. And I, I guess mm -hmm. I probably should go bra shopping more often. I f forgot about the measuring and you really have to be in someone's yeah. presence to, to measure them. You can't do it, you know, lasso them with it and then, you know, get it on. Right. So um, that is fantastic. And, you know, I think some of the, again, these are amazing changes you know, my thought about retail and there's some trepidation with it is, you know, we're living moment by moment. We don't really know what's going to happen next. It's so dynamic. So if we were to have to close our doors again, um, you know, you have all these things in place where people can get some joy out of shopping um, and, you know, having this, you know, experience, which I just think is, um, yeah. Fantastic. And, and it, how it has to be applied to each category um, is so interesting. I think the cross training too. You have a team now that if they have to work from home, you have things for them to do, right? So now they've built a clientele. They know these programs. Um, the way we handle returns, for example, our return rate has dropped, I think, to half of what it was in February and March. Because simply what we started doing, because we had the time, is our great sales team who never handled the returns because our warehouse team did. Now call the customer and say, wait a second, are you returning because you really don't like it or it just didn't fit? And all those details, some brands have been really good at doing that. But I think a lot of sites and direct-to-consumer brands need to step up there. It's hard because of resources. But when you have great retail store teams that are at home sitting there, now you can engage them. And guess what? Texas is closing up again. New York has to close up again in October, November. They don't have to lose their clientele. Right? And by the way, returns used to be uh, or, or still are, um, you know, a huge part of dipping into that revenue that you, you right. think you have. So all of a sudden, right. your your real net revenue is not what what it should be because right. you're getting it, particularly online. So that is, you don't hear very many people say, I'm winning in the returns category. Um, so that, yeah. is, and by the way, how interesting if you sold them the product to get to say, Hey, why didn't this work? Can we, you know, talk about this? What really was it? And that kind sure. of qualitative information I think is is fascinating. Now here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. It's one word. Add drop a f***ing nor. 
guaranteed to get to the f***ing point. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? This is Naked Entrepreneur. Listen, it's a podcast. Rated R. Uh, Guido, if I, if I could just uh, touch one more point on COVID. Uh, you know, we're talking about reopening. How COVID caught us so much by surprise. Nobody had weeks or months to think about and strategize and put infrastructure in place or mm-hmm. train or whatever to be prepared. Listen, we'll be, we may have to close our doors again in two of our physical space in two months. So here's how we're going to start to train people to be ready to use our e-commerce, or here's how we're going to be prepared to transition from physical to e-commerce or keep our clientele interested or whatever it is. So how have you been thinking about look, the truth is, like you said, maybe we have to close again for a while. If that happens, I ain't going to be taken by surprise. We're going to be ready. What can you, other than the, you know, touchless pay or the, or the returns that you were talking about, are there other ways that you've strategized being ready for that as much as anyone can? You know, it's, it's adapt or fail, right? Sink or swim. And I think I've always, I've always taken that. I grew up in Miami where hurricanes come in and can totally throw you off for, you know, a good week in preparation. And then the hurricane could throw you off for three weeks after that. So I think the way my family always prepared for that, it, we were just so fast. And the idea is you have to be fast. You have to be, you know, you have to keep your feet moving. Uh, you have to stay optimistic, uh, which is very hard. Uh, you know, one of the blessings that we had in our family is in February, we cut cable. We actually said, you know what, we, we don't even spend that much time watching TV. But nope. The only thing we watch is the news. And we cut it in February. And we were, we were <laughs> thankfully not watching, you know, CNN and all these things. We got our information from the right sources. Um, but we just weren't, we weren't thrown that way. So keeping your mind positive. Some people meditate. Some people, you know, try to work out at home. Um, Honestly, uh, you know, I work. Work is my meditation and, and being able to execute on tasks. So being able to do that and focus on that, I think, is uh, was one of the things that allowed us to then better prepare and better react, um, just not quitting, right? But, you know, I think we all also underestimate the human spirit. And when we think about this being an issue, I mean, you know, I talked to some of my friends who... who you know, I don't understand what happened in Syria and Aleppo, but those were names and words that were going. We don't talk about what's happened across Africa where people are displaced every single day. And this is an issue, right? So keeping things in perspective from even a global standpoint, like humans are strong, right? Communities are strong and individuals can be strong through much bigger adversity. My grandmother, who's 99, turned 99 during COVID all by herself. We were all supposed to be there. She's been isolated. She's depressed. But you know what? She made it through the war. And she's the last of 13 children to survive up to now. And, you know, she's lived through these things. And she says, the only thing that's tough about this is I'm sad, right? So how do you get past that? How do you get through that? So if you can stay happy, if you can stay positive, I feel like you can find that energy and drive that. Mm-hmm. There's bigger things out there, you know? And, and I think there's beautiful things like what's happening with Black Lives Matter uh, in the right way which are conversations because, you know, Mark, what you're doing by having these conversations digitally and allowing people, you know, to tie in and listen, we've done that more than ever. I mean, how good have we been at listening? And, you know, the last two and a half months have been the best. Ain't that the truth? You know, speaking of that, you know, part of that is relationships too and community. And one of the things I know you've done, I'd love for you to talk about it, is is partnerships mm-hmm. and building community uh even with re- uh, restaurants that are next door to your retail locations mm-hmm. uh to increase foot traffic and so forth which obviously is a little challenging considering the health of restaurants businesses um can you talk about how you've thought about that how that's come about what's happening with it um soho is our home and where the Cozabella store is, right across the street is where I had my first date with my wife. And my wife opened up Stream Street Dermatology right around the corner before I did. Uh, my brother-in-law opened up his production company, which now is an amazing company. 
up right there. And, you know, when Cozabella fell on that street was pure coincidence. And so for us, this neighborhood means so much. We've seen it go through so much in 10 years. Um, and I think, you know, the thing we learned was that there's a lot of entrepreneurs there. And while it tends to be a demographic in terms of the people who live there that, you know, seem to be or considered privileged or, you know, just a little out of touch, the, the people who are running the stores aren't, right? There's a lot of entrepreneurs, especially the restaurateurs, a lot of young guys. These are some of their first ventures. Uh, but on mm -hmm. our street, we happen to have some great, great cafe and restaurateurs. We were all standing there about four weeks ago on the street and they had their like their hands in their head, right? Because they have all these employees that uh, meet, they live paycheck to paycheck, right? And how do I support them? How do I do this? And uh, everyone has the option of getting out of their lease right now, right? So do you go and pull the plug? I'll tell you, when COVID happened on March 20th, March 22nd, I think we closed as a city. On March 20th, I spoke to bankruptcy lawyers just in case because I said, maybe I need to act quickly. What are my options? And, you know, as dark as that was, I remember telling my wife and she, you know, she, she had a reaction, but all these restaurateurs had to face that. So case in point, I have square footage. I have some of the biggest square footage on our block. And I said, you know, come out here, start putting your tables out there, make it part of your restaurant, like get, get it going. And if you come down to Spring and Lafayette and I'll plug it, we've got amazing restaurants, all, you know, uninterrupted, a great experience. I'm from Miami. I grew up, you know, living on Ocean Drive and that's really the experience I love. So we're, we're going to be bringing music. We're going to have the annoying guy giving flowers out and making sure that people have to pay that for their uh, loved ones. We're going to start doing all these little things uh, in, the, in the upcoming months to make it fun. Uh, and, you know, hopefully we don't break any rules along the way. I, I think they're lifting a lot of those. Um, I'm seeing a lot of community out there as well. Not to say that retailers were a um, bombastic bunch, but um, it's nice to see, I was saying general contractors must be getting um, a boost in business because people are creating these cool outdoor yeah. kind of things to make sure you're on the sidewalk, but maybe a little off. Um, so it's yeah. so nice that you're, you're sharing your space because that is really, um, crucial. And it's funny, I would not necessarily think that, um, of Soho so much as a neighborhood, um, but I'm curious on your thoughts about, you know, retail, um, because some of the the big brands, the legacy brands haven't opened up on Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, you're over on Lafayette and, you know, you're, you're opening um, on, um, you know, community a, as retail and where people will be shopping as they enter out. Because I do think there's something emotional attached to shopping because we haven't been able to do it. Well, you know, you're a shopper who's already been out there, right? So what's the thing that surprised you the most in like the first, that first day you went out? What surprised you with these, with these stores? Um, you know, a, a lot of things. One, uh, the employee, uh, and there was only one in the store I went into, um, just that they've really put everything into place. So she had her mask on, she didn't have gloves. Um, she did leave me with some hand sanitizer. Um, and I don't want to say that I think customer service has gotten better, um, but I had a lovely chat with her. I'm obviously not your average shopper. So, you know, we talked retail a little bit um, and just about the experience of opening. And, and I hope, you know, just as you kind of said, I hope there are a bunch of other curious shoppers um, who will head out and who have actually missed discovery and, you know, being in, in a physical space. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it'll take a little time, but um, I think it'll be interesting to see. I certainly think there will be this a little bit of community, like go, go and shop your neighborhood stores. I'm not rooting against legacy retailers, but I think there's some of that, you know, going on for sure. I, I think what makes a community in a neighborhood is that interaction that you were talking about, like actually conversing, talking about retail, talking to people about what they went through, their emotions. That's when you have that neighborhood shop, that specialty retailer, you know, that, uh, that small boutique. That's why you go to those places. And what we didn't realize or we didn't take the time, even inside stores, was to build those relationships anymore, right? It became very, like, transactional. And that's when you lose the neighborhood. And I think right now, that kind of cross-support where New York does this in cycles, you get those neighborhoods back. So I feel like it's 10 years ago when I met my wife. 
10 years ago when she opened up her office, 10 years ago when we opened up our store, then we lost it for five years. I even grew tired of Soho. And mm-hmm. now I'm feeling like I'm feeling Soho's back, you know, because of that. So it's you coming in and talking with us, right? And helping us humanize the experience to a customer and vice versa, right? I think that's it. We don't have to talk a lot about this, but I think it is really interesting. And I, I certainly don't think you're the only one who called a bankruptcy lawyer um, or called their landlord. Uh, and what I do for a living, I call a lot of landlords um, and talk to them about, um, you know, how do we keep this space? How do we keep our doors open? Um, and I'm not sure you have, um, you know, some prime locations that you probably had for a long time. Uh, as you said, you came and left Soho, but um, Journal was right off of uh, Union Square. Um, was there any struggle or conversation about what was happening as your doors were closed? Um, I know my landlords now by their first names. We talk very friendly. <laughs> Elise, Carl, Gary, Art. <laughs> there you go. Um, Name them all. Talk about a but, shout out. But you know, they're, uh, uh, they've just been human. And I, I think we all know what's coming to New York and we know it's going to be a challenge. And I mean, I saw stores that hadn't been open since COVID started that already had the for lease sign put up inside because obviously they had already checked out, but all the product was still in there because they couldn't come take it out yet. Um, so, you know, the landlords have been, for us, we've been lucky. I hear the, you know, I hear both sides, um, but all in all, again, it goes back to being human. And I think a lot of people are like, look, I, I get it right now. Um, how can we find the solution where when you do get things back up and running, we get our fair share. But I think the word yeah. fair comes back, right? Um, yeah. The word fair is what needs to happen. And uh, and when we've been lucky, we have some awesome, awesome people uh, that have worked with us. So, Yeah, I think, um, again, there are a lot of good things that are coming out of COVID. And one is that, um, and I don't want to say it's that, evening of the um, playing field, because certainly if you're a landlord and you have a lender or you have a mortgage to pay um, and you're a retailer who rents from them, you should be paying them too. But um, it really had everybody almost in the same boat um, and with not a lot of answers. So I'm happy to hear um, you know that your landlord-tenant relationships are um, happy and healthy and, and, on, and on a first-name basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, coming up, we're going to get away a little bit from COVID, get a little away from retail and, and rent. And I, we're going to just talk, uh, talk about, about Guido on a personal basis right after that. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. So Guido, uh, let's get personal, shall we? Sure. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to just like run through the gate here and say the very, the very obvious, and that is uh, boxers or briefs. Um, So my wife loves uh, briefs. I personally would wear bikinis because I'm European, but she, 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 you know, she's, she's not ready yet. You know, we're getting there. We're starting (laughs) to work it out. I see. <laughs> uh, you know, I knew this was going to turn into a little bit of a racy segment. Um, and I was going to say, you know, we might, when you said you were going to just go right, running right through the door, Mark, I was like, is he going to ask, have you tried on your own product? Man, oh. no. You know, listen, I imagine you have. I've been asked that a lot. Um, <laughs> I have not, to be dead honest. 
However, uh, I wouldn't do it justice, right? And I never want to. I never want to have that in my memory, or anyone else to have that in their memory. Uh, but one cool thing that's really happened right now, again, uh, in February, I, I was in Germany, and with the lace producers, and they created a little uh, kind of think tank. And one of the things that came up was, when can we bring our laces and our fabrics to men, but without changing them towards the men market? And obviously inclusion and some amazing movements are happening right now. We know we're in the middle of pride. Uh, and, you know, that's part of who we are, part of my, my growing up experience in art schools in Miami and all this stuff where we just had these amazing creatives that were always more open. And I think Cozabella should lead that. So we are. And we have some fabulous mm -hmm. retailers that are participating. One amazing retailer in Germany has the idea to not have, uh, to have men's and women's apparel, but also have another section. And, there, you know, there's a great store called Fluid here in New York. Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah, I like that. Very well. Yeah. And, it's a, you know, it's a brilliant project. I spoke to them very early on. We weren't ready. Uh, I will definitely be approaching them now. But one of the inclusion pieces is how do you have one product with one SKU with one price that covers everything from petite, small, right, technical, all the way to 5X? Cozabella's launching that. We're launching that in December. Wow. So the same exact product. So that way, when you go online and you're in the PDP, you can scroll the different models. And the one element that's missing there is the gender inclusion. That's so we're going to cross that line. We're going to go for it. And uh, it's going to be a step that I think can create some stigma. But, you know, one person, yeah. you know, one person I think about a lot is Dwayne Wade in terms of the fact that I'm from Miami. I got to meet him once very early on. But the way he's evolved and the way he's changed the perception of even the way one will will dress with lace and really mm -hmm. if you take a take a take a moment to google that he has made it so masculine right on one side not that masculinity has to define mm -hmm. lace but he's brought it where it can really cross over so some of the ideas we have in the lace designs that we're going to use will be something mark that i am going to send you <laughs> you are going to let me know how comfortable that is so All right, steal some I'm comfortable of enough. Oh, I can take yeah, that. Steal some of this comfort. Um, but, but, but you know, so yeah. go ahead. Let, let me let you finish, and I'll say something. Yeah, no. The, the idea being that um, you know we we we've predefined so many things, and in our category, we've predefined things like lace and mesh and these fabrications. So how do we how do we just break right through that? That, that you know that's so interesting to say because I was I literally in my head before you even said like I'm going to send you whatever is. In what occasion would I feel comfortable wearing lace? Sure. Not, not just comfortable, that's the wrong word, but why I would even care to wear it. And, and and the reason I say that is because I know my wife wouldn't, I don't think it, it matters to her and we're a unique couple or whatever. You know, we're individuals, I mean. Um, and then if I'm doing it for me, it isn't something that I have ever thought about or I would gravitate to. So mm -hmm. I was instantly just, rapid thoughts trying to think what would be an instance where something would be constructed that it would fit into who I am. And the first thing I thought about, and I don't mean this as an idea or suggestion, I'm just communicating I'll with you. Like, well, well, but like, what if my regular briefs had like a small lace stripe down the side, like a sure. racing stripe, but it was lace, but sure. it wasn't like girly, girly bridal lace. Mm -hmm. It was like cool masculine design lace, mm -hmm. like whatever that means. And and then I would go well. Then it's not lace, lace, but I guess it's lace technically. But what? So what? That what that all that led to me is the possibilities are endless. It's like redefine lace, right? You know, in a way. And it uh, then it, it it becomes not about wearing what I always think about women wearing, mm -hmm. but just using a type of approach to fabric or material that I just ordinarily isn't included in my, you know, because I, I don't, I don't know the, since like the late 1800s, men typically would wear velour as a, as a normal, you know, regular, thing. Yeah. but, but heck, if I had briefs that had a, a velour stripe on it or a velour waistband and they were beautifully made, I might go, wow, those are really Hugh Hefner ornate, cool, man, you know, manly, where's my pipe mm -hmm. kind of, why but but how many years ago would have i thought of that as a quote female fabric so i totally see with the right design approach this could be 
something that anyone could see for themselves. I mean, I was going to ask you 20 questions and you kind of answered every single one of them. Uh, oh, so yeah. We go through the same thought process and you will be a tester. So let's oh, get ready for that, Mark. Um, <laughs> but the, the idea... The idea is that I don't have all the answers, right? Um, and and there's so many cool ideas out there and people will come for their own interest. Uh, you know, one of the first collaborations that I almost executed and I didn't was on chafing and was solving chafing. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And it was before SoulCycle. It was before the biking. It was, you know, it was when people were really just running a lot. And uh, And I had someone in tears in my office talking to me about it. And she was an amazing woman, amazing background. You know, she had some fabrics that were developed by the, you know, DuPont and, uh, and patents. And uh, we just weren't ready for it. But the thought process of what, you know, women and men go through, a lot of those things exist that are similar. And how do you create fabrics that help, you know, uh, resolve those solutions and those issues. But the fact is that lace isn't just floral, right? It's not just geometric. It's also, um, you know, sporty. So you don't realize it, but, you know, the, the concept that a basketball jersey is lace is, is an argument, right? Because you have, oh, yeah. you have a structure in the, in the way that it's knit, whether or not it's a rigid or an elastic or all these things. There are fabrics out there that you're like, as you start looking out, Mark, you're going to be like, wait a second. That actually can cross over. That's, you know, that's a masculine way of doing it, maybe. Sure. Well, listen, if you had something you just didn't call it lace, you know it's lace, but it doesn't have to be called lace. And there's like a new name for it. You know, what difference does it make? Yeah. And, you know, the idea. Semantics, I bet. Yeah. But then the other point is, let's not adapt. And let's, let's, let's just make it what it is, right? Let's, let's call a spade a spade and have people have fun with it. And. Um, and again, when I went to one of the retailers here in the U.S. who is 100% for jumping on this even before I have samples, yeah. she told me what her top three were. And we go back to those Uver and the open backs. And the truth is, is that there's similarity between men and women. Um, and the bikini, like I told you, like I really, uh, I mean, designed the right way. I think my wife's going to have to cross over and want to <laughs> you know? Uh, I do. I do actually have one men's lace bikini that was made by yeah. my team as a gift, and I actually did wear it uh, because it was great fabric. So, I, I think there's so much great crossover in storytelling. And you know, I yeah. go back to I go back to D Wade real quick just because of what he's gone, what he the statement he's made in support also of his daughter uh, and the evolution and the inclusion. I mean, it's just so awesome. I mean, uh, being out there. And really going through the things that that people can go through in the public eye, I don't think I could handle. Uh, But being able to make statements and across all social movements from Trayvon Martin to all these things, you've got people who've been able to carry through that. And now you've got this idea of inclusion. And I think you have some leaders out there that, that, you know, transcend. So that's why I brought him up, you know. I assume you've been to Italy uh, (laughs) a number of times. Yep. I, I mean, I have a flight two weeks from now. Hopefully they don't cancel it. So. Oh, wow. So, okay. So when you go to Italy, yeah. uh, what is a piece of that culture that you most look forward to re-embracing when you're there that just doesn't, it seems to be absent uh, mostly from, from being in America? Italians have an amazing, sometimes it's a little short, their attention deficit can come in. But when you pose them a challenge, they want to resolve it on the spot. Ah. And that's why there's so many artisans, right? Oh, so when I show up with an idea like men's underwear, they <laughs> want to be the first. Italians want to be like Columbus and be the first to show up somewhere. They want to be in the history books like Vespucci, like, you know, uh, you name it. They want to be known for something. So they all want to be first. And my father was the first at so many things. My mother was the first at so many things. Our team, you know, an amazing production manager who just is the first. And so when you get off that plane and I go straight to a lab and I throw them a challenge, by dinner time, I already have work done. That doesn't happen many places. And that's the Italian spirit. Only problem is then getting them to maintain that long-term, you know. So oh, you well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that drive yeah no they want to be first and look at the olympics small country but 
man, how many goals do they pull off? You know, they really, yeah. really, uh, they fight hard for things. You know, Rebecca, any other last questions? Uh, well, these were both really amazing. This is an easy, probably short one. You talked a little bit about uh, your work being your meditation, and there's lots of talk during these times about um, what keeps you calm. I certainly struggle with this, so I'm always curious uh, what people are doing for at-home workouts. And and sometimes it's nothing. It's it's living every day, uh, but I'm, I'm curious since we made mention of it. <laughs> I, you know, I was told... I think I think we move around a lot, my wife and I, but I was told by my daughter last night, sitting and having a late night conversation, she's, uh-uh. she's uh, eight years old, that I'm lazy. And I think the reason, well, I know the reason she said that is because when I do get home, like, I just want to sit there, right? I just want to sit for a second. I love taking my my long espresso and sitting in this one chair and looking at our trees because we're like, man, we invested a lot to own these trees. Um, and when you live in the city, like that's a brief moment. Um, so we try to put it in there. My wife is very big on exercising and she's really tried to push to get me going. Uh, and you know, yoga and these kind of things are things that are always going to be a challenge for me. So sitting for a second. Yeah, no, that's a great, great exercise for me mentally, you know? So great. Well, think how great that will feel in briefs. Yes. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't help myself. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Guido, how can people connect with perhaps you directly? Yeah. Uh, or obviously uh, your, your businesses? Um, you know, I have a great team at both Cozabella and Jernell. Uh, and at Shop Jernell, at, Co- at Shop Cozabella are great ways. DMing is a very important to us. So we find that the most, uh, you know, efficient way and, and consistent way. Uh, emailing, I mean, listen. Uh, you know, my wife can tell you, or my, my team can tell you how tough that is. It's hard to keep up. <laughs> um, but you know, my team is also very, very communicative with me. So, um, being able to tie in and, and, you know, speak or, or, you know, advice, all that good stuff. I love to get it through that way. Um, yeah. so that our team's tied in because it's great for our team to also interact and, and they have a lot of input to give. All right, uh, Guido Compello. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, thank, I'm not making fun, I'm Italian. I'm just I not from Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, so appreciate not just the, the chance to spend some time with you, but your insights and your attitude and you just the way that you've taken on the challenges and survived them from 9-11 to recession to hurricane to covid to whatever may be next something tells me you you're in position to take them on better than anybody with that italian spirit <laughs> you just do it right so you know absolutely um thank you very much continue good luck yeah. yeah thank you so much we say forza and, and it means so much it really means strength but it also is about giving oh, strength to each other so i love that yes but thank I- you that's it for this episode. What a great one. Really special, I think. And uh, appreciate it very much. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much. Always great to be sitting on the mic with you. Great to be with you. That's it for this episode, everybody. Please be safe, be well, and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Appreciate you spending this time with us. Until next time, I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been Retail Is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.